Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard, and today is Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. It's been 3,092 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 174 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War update is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Command South of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with some assessment of the current status of the war. First, Russian forces have dramatically increased operational tempo in northeast Donetsk, indicating a larger offensive may be starting than we previously assessed. Second, the 1st Army Corps appears to have abandoned direct assaults on Avdivka and Marinka after the capture of Pisky. Third, Russian forces are attempting to push Ukrainian troops from the Inulets River bridgehead, as supply issues are already hitting troops west of the Dnipro. Fourth, Chechen fighters returned, maybe, and are likely angering regular Russian forces and PMC Wagner Group by making false claims about their exploits in Solidar. Fifth, questions have to be raised after the second, quote, major accident in Russian-controlled Crimea with the detonation of a massive ammunition depot in Azovsky. Sixth, Russian nationals traveling in Europe and the United States are getting increasingly aggressive against Ukrainians and their supporters. And finally, Russia cannot secure the remainder of the Donbass before the self-imposed August 31st deadline. Let's take a look at some regional updates. Today, some of those updates include frank descriptions of violence and human rights abuses, and listener discretion is advised. As always, we start in the Donbass region with the slovyansk belohorivka berestova Triangle. Russian forces attempted to advance on Ivanodarivka, Vimka, and Vesele without success. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine described the assault as a, quote, complete failure with a, quote, chaotic retreat. The General Staff reports typically don't use this kind of language, boiling down results as retreated or unsuccessful, partial success or with success. Russian forces launched a second attack toward Ivanodarivka from the Verknokamyanka oil refinery. Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Serhii Haidai reported private military company or PMC Wagner Group suffered over 100 casualties due to the August 14th HIMARS attack on their headquarters in Popazna. New videos and pictures of the Wagner headquarters after the attack showed vastly more damage than initially reported, confirming there were multiple rocket strikes. The pictures taken by the Wagner group after the attack were on the more intact side of the building. 
General Ramzan Kadyrov posted a video showing Akhmat Division members fighting in an undisclosed location in northeast Donetsk. Some may find this video distressing. It is not suitable for work and shows at least one corpse. If you want to watch the video, we do link to it, as we link to all of our sources, in our full situation report available on Patreon. This is the first evidence of Chechen fighters still active in Ukraine in over two weeks. In the video, the force size is a squad or smaller. Kadyrov claims Akhmat has been fighting for three days and has not suffered a single loss. In another recent report, Kadyrov claims that Akhmat has been leading the fight for Solidar. That fight has been led by PMC Wagner Group and recently handed over to Russian Airborne or VDV troops. We don't question the video's authenticity, but we have doubts that the video was recent. The conditions shown don't match late summer, even considering that the area filmed was recently shelled. The body of a Ukrainian soldier is not in summer gear, nor is one person captured. There is intense artillery fire in parts of the video, which doesn't match recent reports from northeast Donetsk. In our assessment, this is an older video presented as recent combat activity. Additionally, this is not the first time that Chechen leadership has falsely claimed to have fought key battles in Ukraine. The now infamous Chechen TikTok unit was sent to the front lines in mid-June due to their creation of fake combat videos and taking credit for combat success achieved by Russian troops. Leaders of the Luhansk and Donetsk People's Republics, or LNR and DNR, complained to Russian leaders that Akhmat forces were committing atrocities and war crimes against civilians, including pro-Russian Ukrainians. The unit was accused of looting, beatings, and rape, with separatist leaders claiming they were shattering trust among Russian supporters. They last appeared on June 25th near Zolotohirsk, being interviewed after experiencing frontline combat. Of more considerable interest is Ahmed Saidarkhanov being named as the, quote, acting commander of the Akhmat division. At the start of the war, General Mahomed Tushayev was the commander of the 141st Special Motor Regiment and led the purge of LGBTQIA citizens within Chechnya. He was killed in Ukraine on February 26, 2022, and was the first Russian senior officer killed in combat. It does not appear that a new commander for the 141st was named. Sidarkhanov has a small social media footprint. He won awards in judo competition for Russia in 2005 and 2006 and appeared in at least one TikTok video. Akhmat Division has been involved in some of the worst atrocities in Ukraine. They are accused of being partially responsible for war crimes in Bucha, Irpin, and Borodyanka. A unit member was identified as the person who tortured, castrated, and executed a Ukrainian POW in a video that received worldwide condemnation. Our team investigated a June 30th Patrick Lancaster video recorded in Mitolkin where members of Akhmat claimed they were in a battle with Ukrainian defenders. Based on the available evidence and statements from Akhmat, our research concluded the Ukrainian soldiers were executed after surrendering. Our assessment in the Slovyansk-Bilohorivka-Berestova Triangle is unchanged from August 14th. You can find it in our Week in Review episode from this past Sunday.
The unofficial pause in the Bakhmut area has ended with Russian forces launching numerous attacks in the last 24 hours. To set conditions for the offensive, Russian forces released a furious artillery barrage on Yakovlivka, Solidar, Bakhmutska, Bakhmut, Vesela Dolina, Zaitseve, about 10 kilometers southeast of Bakhmut, Vershina, and Pivnichne. Additionally, there were airstrikes on Yakovlivka and Solidar. Video shows Russian forces attempting to advance into Yakovlivka either hit a landmine or were ambushed by Ukrainian forces. Based on the geolocation of the video, we've moved the line of conflict west to the edge of the settlement. Russian forces are attempting to advance into Solidar from two directions, Bakhmutske and Sryapivka. The advances yesterday were unsuccessful. After geolocating videos on August 14th, we moved the line of conflict east in Solidar through the Nauf Gyps sheetrock plant and on the eastern edge of the gypsum mine. On August 5th, Russian sources made their first claim the Nauf Gyps factory was captured. We believe Russian forces now hold the factory. Our earlier assessment overstated Russian gains based on the exaggerated claims. Pro-Russian accounts have maintained that Vershina was captured, but there hasn't been supporting information. The general staff reports that Russian forces attempted to advance into the settlement, but were unsuccessful. In the Svetlodarsk bulge, Russian forces continue to attempt to capture Zaitseve from Horlivka. Based on reports by Russian and Ukrainian sources, we moved the line of conflict south and have concluded the claim that Russian forces captured the settlement was inaccurate. Russian forces shared a video of sappers blowing up the bridge over the Luhan River in Luhansk. We can't assess why the Russians destroyed the bridge. This area is supposed to be secure, and Ukrainian forces are not advancing in this direction. Our assessment in Bakhmut is unchanged from August 9th. In simplest terms, grunts with guns take territory and grunts with guns hold territory. The Russian military doesn't have enough well-trained and well-equipped grunts with guns to support multiple offensive operations near Bakhmut and Donetsk while reinforcing defensive lines in Zaporizhia and Kherson. The situation east of Solidar and Bakhmut has stabilized, but defending troops eventually have to be rotated. In attritional warfare, Ukraine can't compete. The question is, however, does Russia have enough troops left to throw its Solidar in Bakhmut and write off the casualties? Moving on to southwest Donetsk and western Zaporizhia. The latest report from the general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine did not mention Pisky, and the last report of Ukrainian positions being shelled was 12 hours ago. Ukrainian forces remain northeast and south of the village, but in our assessment, Pisky is under Russian control. Elements of the First Army Corps of the Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, have launched positional battles near Staromikhailivka and Novelske. Ukraine is maintaining a ground line of communication, or GLOC, a.k.a. supply line, from Novelske to positions on the southern edge of Pisky. The DNR is likely attempting to sever this line and force Ukrainian forces to abandon their positions on the E-50 ring road. Outed FSB colonel, wanted war criminal, and Kremlin pariah Igor Gherkin-Strelkov reported there was minor fighting on the outskirts of Marinka. 
The DNR appears to have abandoned efforts to capture Avdiivka after suffering devastating losses in direct assaults. A composition of Russian airborne VDV, naval infantry, DNR, and LNR forces launched a series of offensives in southern Ukraine. Russian forces advancing from Slavne entered the settlement of Novomikhailivka, which is now contested. Russian forces launched an offensive from Solodke toward Vodvani to the west and Volodymyrivka to the southwest. Neither offensive was successful. We have, however, updated the map to show Solodke under Russian control. Russian forces made another attempt to advance on Pavlivka, which was unsuccessful. A Russian Ka-52 alligator attack helicopter was shot down. Video showed the aircraft being hit by a manpad and trailing smoke. Pro-Russian social media account Rybar reported the chopper crash-landed and the crew was recovered. In Russian-controlled Melitopol, insurgents blew up the TV transmitter and a substation, cutting off all television signals in the area. Shifting to assessment here, we had previously assessed that DNR forces would capture Pisky because of the tactics used and the number of personnel involved in the offensive. The apparent winding down of combat operations in Avdivka, Marinka, Kamyanka, and Krasnohorivka indicate that combat strength has been exhausted. DNR forces are pressing south of Pisky to widen their area of control and sever the contested G-lock supporting Ukrainian forces 300 meters from the village's southern boundary. We assess that Russian forces cannot secure the remainder of the Donbass before August 31st, unless there is an unforeseen political, natural, or a military event, or the use of weapons of mass destruction. In southern Ukraine, Russian forces are likely pressing Ukrainian defensive lines due to the arrival of reinforcements and testing capabilities. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Let's move on to the Kharkiv region, starting in northwestern Kharkiv. The Russian Ministry of Defense and pro-Russian social media account Rybar made another claim that the border settlement of Yudi was recaptured. We maintained the area as contested, but don't believe the claim made by the Russian Ministry of Defense is entirely accurate. The general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine reported that Soznivka, between Yudi and the Russian stronghold of Kazachalopan, was shelled throughout the day. Russian and Ukrainian forces traded sporadic artillery, rockets fired from multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, and tank fire across the line of conflict. Seven Iskander M short-range ballistic missiles, or SRBM, hit the Shevchenkivsky, Kivsky, Zaltivsky, Industrialny, and Holodnohirsky districts of Kharkiv during the largest artillery and missile attack on the city since May. Officials reported there was extensive damage, but no injuries. Our assessment in Kharkiv is unchanged from August 12th. You can find it in Friday's episode around minute 8 or 9. Russian forces launched the heaviest round of artillery fire in over a week along the Izum axis. Russian forces also attempted to advance on Mazanivka and Dolina and were unsuccessful. 
Our assessment in Azume is the same as it was on August 8th, which we recapped in yesterday's episode around minute 15. Next, let's get some updates from the Dnipro, Kherson, Mykolaiv, and Zaporizhia regions. Northwest of Kherson, Russian forces advanced from Zeleny High toward Novokryovka and took heavy losses in the failed advance. We had assessed on August 12th that Zeleny High may have slipped back under Russian control. Our assessment was accurate. We've updated the map, moved the line of conflict west and north, and coded Ternovi Podi as contested. Russian forces appear to be making a significant effort to push Ukrainian forces across the Inulitz River. Russian troops attacked Adryivka, Lozova, Bilohorika, and Bilakrinitsya, which is on the west bank of the river. None of the attacks were reported to be successful. If Russian forces could reach Bilakrinitsya, that means Ukrainian defense was tested to the limit to maintain the bridgehead. Our assessment here is unchanged from August 14th. You can find it in Sunday's Week in Review episode. In Dnipropetrovsk, the Russian Ministry of Defense continues stonewalling the International Atomic Energy Agency and United Nations' request to allow inspectors into the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Igor Vishnevitsky, deputy director of the Russian Foreign Ministry's Department for Nonproliferation and Arms Control, claimed it would be too dangerous for international inspectors to travel to the plant through Kiev, claiming Ukrainian forces would attack them. He said, quote, Imagine what it means to pass through Kiev. It means they get to the nuclear plant by crossing the front line. This is a huge risk, given that Ukraine's armed forces are not all made up in the same way. These people are prepared to carry out any number of provocations. End quote. 42 countries and the European Union have called for Russian forces to leave the plant, hand control back to Ukraine, and establish a demilitarized zone. Russian forces fired artillery at Nikopol from self-propelled guns just outside the nuclear power plant compound. In the Black Sea region, a massive Russian ammunition depot exploded in Maisky, Russian-controlled Crimea. Multiple videos showed continuous secondary explosions, air-to-air missiles flying in all directions, and two additional blasts. The Russian Ministry of Defense confirmed the, quote, accident. An official statement published by Russian state media stated, quote, On the 16th of August, at around 6.15 in the area of Maisk settlement, a fire broke out on the territory of a site for the temporary storage of ammunition of one of the military units. As a result of the fire, the ammunition stored there was detonated. End quote. The ammunition depot was geolocated 750 meters from civilian housing. A video has emerged showing the amount of ammunition and weapons stored at the depot, which potentially was spread over a thousand meters and included BM-21, BM-27, and TOS-1 MLRS launchers. The video showed stacks of ammunition piled in the open air as far as the eye could see. Almost simultaneously, an electrical substation about 20 kilometers away had a, quote, accident, according to Russian officials, and exploded. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Latvia has donated two Mi-8TV and two Mi-2 helicopters to Ukraine. The Mi-8 is a Soviet-era workhorse helicopter 
similar to the iconic United States Bell UH-1 Iroquois Huey, but with more capabilities. In a stunning failure of operational security, or OPSEC, a Russian military unit operating a TOR-2 anti-aircraft command and control system shared internal systems and their operational procedures while intercepting incoming rockets on TikTok. The video showed control panels, unedited computer screens, tracking data, and the crew's inability to shoot down the rockets. Former military members and open-source analysts were dissecting the intelligence provided in the video. Our assessment here? Honestly, we're speechless. Russia's defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, played good cop to Russian state media bad cop, stating Russia has, quote, no need to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Shoigu said during a speech at an international security conference in Moscow, quote, from a military point of view, there is no need to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine to achieve the set goals. The main purpose of Russian nuclear weapons is to deter a nuclear attack, end quote. As for war crimes and human rights, in Russian-occupied Kherson, two children found an anti-tank weapon while walking the town's streets. A security camera caught them playing with the launcher when it accidentally fired. Modern anti-tank weapons have a safety feature that prevents the warhead from arming until it has traveled a minimum distance. Fortunately, the rocket couldn't travel far enough to arm, and the children were not injured by the backblast when the weapon fired. In geopolitical news, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed the Polish people in their language, honoring the 102nd anniversary of Poland and Ukraine defeating the Soviet Red Army at the Battle of Warsaw. In his speech, he thanks Poland for their support and reinforced they have historically been connected in their struggle against Russian aggression. In Zurich, Switzerland, a group of Ukrainian students was attacked by a Russian and Belarusian man who accused the group of oppression. The two cursed, pushed, and then punched the girls. Passers-by did not intervene. In Cincinnati, Ohio, a tennis fan attending the Western and Southern Open was forced to leave because a Russian tennis player complained the fan was draped in a Ukrainian flag and wearing a traditional flowered hairpiece called a vinuk. Witnesses said she was sitting silently watching the match when an umpire approached her. The judge told her it was, quote, not nice to have the flag in the stands. The woman clapped back that it was, quote, not nice to invade a country. Ultimately, the woman was escorted to her car, where she stowed her flag and returned to the match. The players in the match were Anastasia Potapova and Anna Kalinskaya, both from Russia. In economic news, the ruble was unchanged, with an exchange rate of 61 rubles to 1 U.S. dollar. Oil prices crashed after a glum report on China's economy came out, WTI broke the $90 barrier, falling to $88 a barrel, while Brent dropped to $94 a barrel. United States RBOB wholesale gasoline for spot market delivery declined to $2.93 a gallon, or $0.78 a liter. SRW Chicago wheat futures climbed to $0.82 a bushel for December 2022 delivery. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? 
Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.